This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 309, Wieslaw Rocky on Improvisational Healing. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing that sometimes someone comes on to this program as a guest and they share a specific method of change, which then you could go off and use that method with your clients and get some really cool results. Similar to that, oftentimes I hop on here in a solo episode and I share a specific business marketing method, which you could then go off and use that one specific method to book more clients or to better scale your business. What I'd mention is it's rare that we can have someone who can come on here and introduce a theme and to have this one theme make everything that you do so much better. Well, that's a gift when that happens. And that's exactly what this week's episode is all about. For many of you, this might be your first opportunity to meet Wes Rocky, Wieslaw Rocky, who I've actually known for a number of years now. He was previously in Fairfax, Virginia with an office nearby my office over in Alexandria and then Springfield, Virginia. And then as a wonderful sort of coincidence here, a number of years ago, he moved down to Florida and it turns out the area that we're going to be shopping for a home for in the next couple of months is not too far away. Something in the water, I guess. And coming from a background as a medical doctor over in Europe to then transferring over here to the United States and then continuing that practice and then over the years getting involved with hypnosis and several other integrative sort of healing approaches. And then I'd share with you the turning point where I realized that Dr. Rocky was onto something and it involves one of my favorite people in the world. We went to a local theater venue, a local movie theater house that also hosts stand-up comedy. And it was the comedian Emo Phillips, which if you don't yet know this, is the funniest man ever to have lived. One of the most ripped off comedians in all of comedy, by the way. If you've seen the classic movie, that's right, sorry, classic film, UHF, starring Weird Al Yankovic, Emo Phillips was the shop teacher who cut his thumb off, which sounds horrific unless you've seen the scene, then it's absolutely hilarious. Emo Phillips, by the way, is the source of the favorite line of my trainings. I used to think the brain was the most intelligent organ in the body. And then I ask myself, who's telling me that? So it was along this journey that I reconnected with Dr. Rocky and found out that he had been rather involved with tracking improvisational comedy, comedy writing, and looking at ways of how we can take the themes of improvisational theatrical arts into the healing arts. And that's exactly what you're about to hear this conversation all about. And you'll see there's more information in terms of how to get in contact with Wes in terms of his website over at the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. And while you're there, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. That's the all-access pass to my hypnosis business training library, step-by-step tutorials, done-for-you marketing methods, and it's the stuff that actually works to get out there and better to scale your business. And continuing this yes and theme that becomes an amazing nuance of this conversation, plus a few games that the doctor and I play towards the end of our conversation here, bringing in themes of flexibility, learning on the fly, and not getting stuck in the script as terms of what's not working, and instead of continuing this conversation of what will work and how can we make things work even better along the way. You are in for a fascinating conversation 
and an inspirational theme that will make all of your work all the more effective. And with that, let's jump directly in. This is episode number 309, Weeslaw Rocky on Improvisational Healing. As uh, everyone in the healing profession, I was, uh, I am motivated by self-healing first, because, you know, in our profession, hypnotherapy, we know that we are just working with the mirrors, and what happened in our clients actually reflects what is happening in us. We are not healing anyone, we're just inspiring one to look at one's own capacity to self-heal. So that travel of exploring how can I heal my broken soul, broken soul by childhood trauma and then acquired couple others' trauma and now collective trauma? How can I find something really effective which will not just make me more comfortable with adjusting to the situation, but really serve as a vehicle to reconnect it with my true identity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, which catch us up for those who don't yet know you, talk about the, the path before in terms of being a doctor and then getting involved with hypnosis? Yes. You know, this is common path for physicians who moved from conventional to holistic medicine. Uh, I've been very traditional. I used to be a gynecologist back in Poland, was teaching in university, and then became an internist here in America followed by scientist and corporate executive for pharmaceutical industry for many years. And then I came to conclusion that these are good vehicles, but something is missing, that mm. we, I need to go deeper. And through some uh, personal crises, exploring spirituality, following many gurus, I moved on the opposite side of yeah. the very, very, very esoteric, but not very grounded. So then I was looking to come to the middle, to some a modality which combines this alchemy, that esoteric healing on a very deep level, yet very grounded in practicality of it. So obviously, hypnotherapy was of choice. There was no other, nothing else comparable. <laughs> I like the, the choice of words you just used there, by the way, in terms of grounded. It, what I heard inside of that was being mindful in terms of what hypnosis and hypnotherapy can do, while also being, of course, mindful of perhaps the, let's phrase it this way as a positive, the, the appropriate limitations of it. Yeah, my, my limitation, I, I practiced hypnotherapy for a couple of years. What, what I had a kind of resistance to was still, maybe this was my interpretation, but that kind of patriarchal approach when I was the hypnotherapist and there was a client and I had some skills which my client didn't have and I have the capacity to help them with good intention. And even, you know, I, I was using their phraseology, I was using material which they offer to, to meet them when they are it was still for me uh, roles. And I hated this in medicine, in conventional medicine. You know, you have this well-defined role of a doctor and a uh, well-defined role of the patient. And these two parties are completely following the scripted performance mm. of being a doctor, of being a patient. And nothing happens when they leave the room 
there is still doctor and there is still patient and there is what is missing is healing and it's funny because <laughs> the patient comes with a scripted performance of being patient following the script of given disease and they meet a doctor and they live with another script for the prescription drug <laughs> <laughs> so no, nothing happens and then uh, hypnotherapy brought me a little bit closer because I was taught many ways of to practice so-called client-oriented hypnotherapy. And I like it very much. But then what was missing was this, you know, mystical emergence of two people with a unique knowledge. We decided to play together for the purpose of healing. You, we have two experts. I have my unique expertise, but it is not enough. It has to be combined with the unique expertise of my patient. And then we are coming into the dance. And in improv, in traditional improv, the originator of improv, Viola Spolin, one of her uh, main games was to follow the follower. That now, as we dance in healing dance, we are taking turns in following and leading, following and leading. I love some of the themes you've just introduced there in terms of how to describe the process that there's a there, there's an idea that I hit upon years ago about at times, and there's positives inside of this, that there only needs to be one expert in the room. And that's not just to say that the client's role is to only follow us. No, because it's that the client is the expert in some ways about what that challenge has been up until now, as well as what that outcome ought to be. So we need to make use of their expertise in terms of designing the process that's going to help them to achieve that. Meanwhile, we can be the expert in terms of the modalities and the different integrative approaches that we use. So it's that meeting of those two minds of something that, as you've said, from a you know from an improvisational structure, that's what becomes the process as opposed to playing out those old roles the way that it would seem to be before, right? Yes, and there is even deeper connection on the level of wounded healer and wounded person because the wounds inspire us to wake up from the hypnotic trance of the disease, paradoxically. So <laughs> this is the blessing of the symptoms that people de get determined to heal when they cannot take anymore, <laughs> mm -hmm. when they have no other choice but to heal. And then they are coming with broken heart in, in pieces and they are meeting my broken heart in pieces. And then we can play this Japanese role, game or art, of putting broken vase using the gold, true gold, as a cement <laughs> and create some a completely new, different art. That's why I, you know, I take pride that I am wounded healer, which is different than impaired healer. Impaired healer would be the one who has some problem which impairs the capacity to heal. The wounded healer is using actually exploring on one-on shadow work, on dark night of the soul, of the inner basement of subconsciousness to meet 
participation on the same level because this is where the work happens. Because, you know, they they come, the client, oh, actually, let me bring this beautiful statement with the contemporary mystic Ram Das, yeah. who said, we all walk each other home. We all walk each other home. So that, that way, the act of healing is the act of sharing. I love that. And that is so essential because my focus is now on helping people to heal emotional trauma that you know originally you know this was kind of assumed that something happens in childhood and then we get hurt and carry this wound throughout life and, and unless it's healed our life is not particularly healthy and happy but the idea was that there was something happening to us and then we have to uh, heal that memory of what happened. But there is a beautiful doctor, Dr. Gabor Mate, Canadian, expert on addictions and trauma. And he always says that it is not actually what happened to us, but what has changed in us as a result of what happened to us. So that approach released me from digging back with the techniques trying to explore implicit memory, the painful memory which wisdom of consciousness hide this deep, deep in the basement of consciousness and for reason. So it, it cannot be easily accessed and re-traumatized. But the good news is that we have excellent access to that in the present moment because at the end of the day, what is in me today is to, to some extent, the sum of what happened to me throughout my life, right? Yeah, I think that's a massively important perspective that, you know, to look at, as the phrasing is here, the healing process moving forward, that it's not so much about who, what, when, where, and why. It's more so the how of, of moving forward. Uh, what, what I'm curious to ask you here. Because always looking at that that journey to get to where you are now, what was some of that track? What was some of that perspective in terms of first getting into hypnosis, let's say, and, and looking at how do we now combine these different elements? And then I definitely want to get over to the improvisational work that you've been doing. But how would you kind of draw out that map, that personal discovery aspect of this to eventually create where you're at now? Well, first realization was that I surrendered myself to the fact that my life is scripted, <laughs> that I am running on autopilot with a script, following religiously the script, which may be not appropriate any longer for my circumstances. And on most occasions, it's actually not my script. So that brought my curiosity to hypnotherapy as a door to explore my script. Because when we are hurt, when we carry this unhealed trauma, we live life in the script of the default no attitude, N-O, which started as a resilience, as a survival tools, which allow us to survive often 
life-threatening situation. And part of the deal was to establish strong resilience, the no, 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 this, this is my boundary, this is how I'm going to survive. And that saved our lives, not only in childhood, but throughout life. But the problem with that is when that no becomes default. Yeah. Then the no is no longer to particular event, particular patterns. The no becomes the no to life itself. So then we have the same default no to the good and bad in our life. And as applies to, to medicine, you know, we have this thinking medicine that the bulk of medicine are chronic diseases. 90% of medical work is chronic diseases. And among those, probably 80% are so-called autoimmune diseases. So even diabetes, most of the heart conditions, whatever, are have immunologic background. And then we have this legend in medicine that this is, you know, your body is attacking yourself, which for me never made any sense because this is not how the creator designed us. And then with exploring hypnotherapy and uh, exploring this scripted no, it came to me that it is actually us, our set of mind, negative patterns, unhealed traumatic patterns, which we interfere with our body capacity to heal itself. So actually, paradoxically, we are attacking our body as we are attacking and fighting in life. And as everyone says, fighting your life, you always lose. And I believe that this is why, why we are sick, holding this no attitude. And that, you know, the deal with that is very difficult because in order to heal the no attitude, it is just, which is just part of the sound resilience, is to create a safe environment. The safety is necessary for healing, which obviously we know hypnotherapy, creating safe environment. Remember Albert Einstein's statement, he was asked, what is the most important question from your whole career? What is the most important question? And he said, well, the most important question is whether we live in the safe or dangerous universe. And then, you know, then hypnotherapy comes and say, hello, hello, <laughs> you know, you are creating this universe. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, there, there's a quote that I forget the source of it, but it was phrased one time as almost a negative criticism. And as soon as I read it, I went, well, yeah, and which the quote was, the people who study this stuff walk around as if they figured out the entire world. To which I go, well, what's the harm in that? <laughs> to, to look at how so much of our language, you're right, you know, puts us deeper into that problem. So much of people's language puts them further into their issue as opposed to, you know, getting into that better sense of flow with uh, how we respond to the world around us. And which is where, talk to us about where the improvisational work came into this then. I'm curious to hear that. That's right. That is that is where I'm heading now. That, you know, to heal this default no, which I believe is the root cause of chronic diseases, is that it is necessary 
unless we do something extra. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is necessary because you see, we we develop this now in relation to, for example, childhood trauma, and then the parents or abusers are gone, and the default is still there. So actually, we create illusionary abusers because we are addicted to to defense, to the no, to the resilience, to resistance, to rejection. And then we start looking for this in our reality. I believe the Maslow said that if all you have is hammer, right, everything is nail for mm-hmm. you. So then we come to this hypnotic illusion that we can resolve our problems, that we can that we can figure out how to get out from that emotional trauma. But then we arrive through life being the abuser to oneself to maintain the default, to maintain the script. And now we are arriving to the time like now, 2020, when we are all facing collective trauma, right? When our default no can actually hypnotically can be justified by what is happening. Mm-hmm. So then comes the improv, which is yes and. Yeah. And yes is not actually a word. It is certainly not expression of acceptance. For me, in the transformational improv, which I am practicing, it's a state of mind. It's a level of consciousness. It is finding if my psyche, that place, which is yes, which is I am which is, I am at my highest. And actually, you know, I heard from a philosopher that the word no is actually man-made, that it doesn't exist in the universe. The universe is always in the yes. And, you know, we know this from also hypnotherapy, that it is the vibration, inner vibration, which decides what we achieve. So it is not what we want, but who we are, what comes to us, right? Mm. That's an amazing concept. Uh, The premise that the word no had to be invented by people. We've all heard the phrasing that the unconscious mind may not know the difference between, you know, negation of saying, you know, don't think of a purple elephant that, you know, when we look at that concept that everything is a yes, what, what would you say opens up differently then as a result of that premise? The yes and no, it's a full sentence. Yeah. And one cannot exist without others. For example, in transformational improv, we are using yes, excuse me, we are using no. Because in real life, we need to say no on justified occasions. But the problem is that unless it is preceded by unconventional yes, the no cannot be strong. Because as psychologists will say, you cannot change anything which you can which you don't own, right? Hmm. So the yes is introduction because it's state of mind. So now coming now back to something which we share, you have obviously strong tradition in theater as a stage manager, right? Used yes. to be. And then on this uh, stage uh, hypnot- hypnosis, stage hypnosis, which 
I remember you started with very, very important because you were doing this with young people in schools, right? Right. Yeah. That's that was the origin story for me. Yeah. So this was the molding. This was very uh, with a very high accountability. So we are all actors on the stage of life, and we are performing scripted drama. The problem is that most of the time we are not aware of the script, but our health and happiness depend on our ability to explore our memorized script, <laughs> to adjust it, to rewrite it, to meet the demands and opportunities of our current circumstances, right? And, and you know, that is our basic survival. We cannot not be actors. We can just refuse to participate in the process, and then we are still doing scripted performance of somebody, somebody else's script written for us. There's a quote that I think you'd love here. Uh, it was a French magician by the name of Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin. And long story short, Houdin was who a young boy named Eric Weiss modeled. And Eric Weiss changed his name to be Harry Houdini from having studied er uh, Robert Houdin. And the quote was that a magician is an actor playing the role of a magician. And the whole premise behind that original quote was that if the magician were on stage and thinking, okay, I need to hold my hand at this specific angle so the audience can't see the coins that I'm hiding and I need to move it in this way, then they're projecting to the audience that it's simply, you know, almost as if a juggling stunt, as opposed to if that magician were to step into the role that even they believe there were coins hidden in these invisible pockets in the air and then pluck them out, the sooner the magician believes the trick to also be magic, the sooner the audience will join them in that journey. And this is a quote that I've brought up for years inside of hypnosis trainings that we are stepping into a role. We are stepping into an identity, whether it's simply the role of the practitioner of hypnosis or even matching up to the expectation that the client has as to why they reached out to a hypnotist in the first place. So, so what do you say, what do you find, let's say, is gained by accepting this almost scripted role, this performance role that we're now moving into as a practitioner. You know, in improv, we have the same rule as you just uh, described, which is if you believe in what you are now projecting in terms of emotions or content or your body position, if you believe in the message which is contained in this, the audience will believe. Yeah. So the same applies. If I believe, then my patient believes, right? And in improv, we have these beautiful therapeutic settings of interactions between the actor and character. Because <laughs> the actor is me who decides to go on the stage for a particular purpose. But for that, I have to create many different characters and let them play with each other to arrive to that conclusion, to, to solve the problem or to fail to solve the problem. So it is kind of surrogate for me as an actor, safe environment of playing with paid for characters who are doing dirty and funny stuff of healing for me. <laughs> and they are doing the same for audience because the audience comes to improv to watch what they would otherwise not ever dare to do in their lives. 
And this is the role of character. The best described that, for example, you have a house on fire. The natural tendency of human will be running away. And actor follows that, running away. However, the character does opposite. It's running towards the burning house. And this is the miracle of breaking identity with myself, which leads to breaking through established script. I believe that Joe Dispenza wrote the book Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So if that habit is being sick and then I have to help you to get better, I am dealing with two components, with your sickness and your habit to be, of being sick. And unless I will inspire and help you to break this habit of being sick, which is the extra on top of disease, I won't be able to even touch the healing of the disease. Which is beautiful because, again, we're then identifying with the person as opposed to their issue, that mindset of see the client as where they're going as opposed to the issue that they've been inside of. So bringing in the improvisational theme, is this something that then needs to be, let's say, introduced to the client or does it become sort of the subtext of the process? How would you go about defining that? Well, it's a improv is not technique. Mm -hmm. It's a state of mind from which I will handle other techniques. Yeah. For example, let's use a, uh, an example of parts therapy in hypnotherapy, right? And I was proud to remember to take classes with Dr. Hunter, right? Yeah. Roy, Roy, Roy Hunter in your, in your office, actually. That's right, yeah. That's right. And, and I was, you know, very obedient student and trying my best. And then I tried to really apply it. But I got lost in this complexity of many, you know, personas talking to each other and me directing the show or who is saying whom. And eventually they come to a good conclusion, which means that some personas are kind of asked to leave or retire, whatever. For me, maybe coming from medicine, which is very heady art, I was very suspicious of heady arts. <laughs> and I got lost in it. So then improv comes and say, well, fantastic. In improv, everything you regard as a gift, which you expand on it. So for example, if they improv a game, my partner say, you are a bloody idiot, right? <laughs> the natural tendency of human would be, no, 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 or how dare you, or even I will attack you. The character in improv saying, oh, yes, I know, I am super idiot. <laughs> I will prove you how idiot can be. And, and do you know what? Please help me to be even better idiot. Mm-hmm. And what is the healing aspects of that? First, that I can taste with my guts what really means to be an idiot? How does it feel to be an idiot? So I can catch myself when I am idiot and I don't know about it. <laughs> and like, you know, there's, there's the story that for dead people, some dead people don't know that they are dead and it doesn't hurt them because it hurts only family. And the same goes for stupid people. <laughs> 
So, so this is the one aspect, but the healing aspect is that it breaks my habit to be associated with, with my habit. That this is completely contrary in what would be my habitual attitude. So if I carry this forward to being habitually sick, I have already some tool saying that it's possible to play against or beyond of that. Mm -hmm. Also, what is important in playing what is given as a gift, even negative, that I can modulate. This is, you know, another technique of this knob of the modulating volume on the pain, right, in hypnotherapy. That I ask a client to visualize this panel and there is a knob to turn up and down pain, right? Yeah. So the same would be applied in this technique. So in parts therapy, from the improv point of view, I say, I welcome you all guys. Let's play, but you have to play on the improv rules that you play to make each other looking good. You listen to each other because you'll be building on what your partner said. You'll be adding that. And we can get into conflict. We can resolve very dramatically different point of view, but we all agree to one thing, that we, no matter what happens, we preserve our relationship. And once the thing is done, we are back to actors who go for beer and they love each other. And for me, this is much simpler thing and it's easier for patient to accept this because it is just play. The gatekeeper of the subconscious mind is relaxed, saying, no, no, nothing serious. They are just playing. So, and also we know that the play is the place where we learn, right? Yeah, I love that as a theme of, you know, that, that sorting out in almost a more playful sense that rather than this place of conflict, rather than two parts working in opposition, Instead, bringing in this this playful spirit to the aspect of the work there, and by doing so, bringing about that yes and theme, I think, you know, above all, being one of the easiest things that people could start to implement as opposed to, well, back to the hammer, no, that technique's not going to work. Well, instead, well, how can I make that work? How can I bend this in such a way that we can be more flexible inside of what we're doing, right? Right. And the, the lesson is that... Paradoxically, in improv, we can we learn solving problems by breaking from hypnotic trance, which tells us that we can solve the problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, we have all good minds, but we know that using just our mind and willpower, we cannot heal ourselves. And then we try to control even more with the beliefs that we have power to solve the problem. But this is not the place from which problem can be solved. So, for example, one of the comedic principles of the improv is that you you try to solve problem on the stage and you keep failing at this and you keep trying and failing and trying. 
And this is the place when the audience can really be with you because this is all what we all doing. All when we are trying on stage to apply reasonable tools for something crazy. All the opposite when we are applying crazy tools to something which is real. All these are magical tricks to, to break our default association. In other words, to give us opportunity to say, well, 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 I am running scripted life. So why don't I look up what is the script? And then this is what is hypnotherapy about, right? Hep helping people to rewrite the script, right? Yeah. Except that improv, in improv, I am giving more, I'm inviting more people to do this for themselves in playful way because I can surrender expectation that I may know what is good for them. Because from my life, I learn that on the level of my mind, I really don't know very often what is good for me. But there is a good, good news that if I surrender, if I dissociate myself from that so-called analytical thinking and go to my higher wisdom or superconscious, as some call it, whatever, then the solution comes, right? Because it was always there, right? Yeah, I love the theme that you just introduced about how, you know, often it is, it's part of, you know, the classic structure of a play. Act one, introduce the hero. Act two, get them up in the tree. Act three, get them down. That's, there's a basic structure of how we put it together. But in terms of having something that's got some conflict, having something that's going to have, you know, a reason to have us continue to watch are these opportunities where it doesn't quite go exactly as planned. And your, your, your phrasing there made me remember back, and I'll be very, very general here for obvious reasons, uh, but it was a time that we had a juggler involved in a professional production. And the whole bit was, it was the standard routine where the juggler is going to balance this board on top of a ball. So there's a balancing aspect to it. And then he's going to juggle five clubs, which I can't do that. And he could. And the whole setup of this was the classic comedy in threes would be the idea that he fails once, he sets up again. He fails a second time, he sets up again, and then he's triumphant the third time, big applause. And... I think, unfortunately, we may have not hired the best of juggler for this event because it turned into this whole routine that by the eighth or ninth attempt, he still could not do it. And the director having to jump in to go, it's still tragedy. It still has to be comedy because you have to eventually do it. Make it happen faster. And he goes, I can't. It's like, okay, I'll just go with three clubs then. And that that was the solution. <laughs> we're, we're, we're breaking that scripted role, as you've said. We're breaking that scripted role of the try fail try fail is there a theme that you feel needs to be introduced then to the client in terms of how to break that that pattern that they've been inside of then oh yeah that uh, one of the principles of improv is to celebrate mistakes mm -hmm. so actually in on the improv stage when somebody makes mistakes we applaud we actually celebrate mistakes which sometimes gives the inappropriate conclusion that we are encouraging mistakes. 
but it is not encouraging mistakes. It is to break this habit of connecting mistake with our conclusion about us doing mistake. Because what really hurts us in when mistake haunts us as an emotional trauma is not mistake itself, because mistake is relative. One day I think that I did right thing divorcing, and when I meet nice girl, I would say it was the best decision in my life, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that is relative. But what is not relative, when I get stuck in that remorse after my divorce, connecting conclusion that I am a loser, because if this is not healed, I can meet 15 pretty girls and I lose them. So the accepting mistakes and celebrating mistakes lead me to the place where mistakes should lead me to learning from them. Because somebody said, if I don't learn from mistake, what is the purpose of doing them over and over again? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the beauty, another beauty of improv. So when the first thing in healing, I believe, healing from that scripted performance of misery is to explore the script, right? Mm -hmm. So we are waking up from the hypnotic trance of illusion of having control. And then we are moving from the default. There is a four stages of learning. The first stage of learning is, I don't know that I don't know, mm -hmm. right? My life is miserable. I am sick. I am messing up. And I don't know what the hell is come, uh, happening, right? I have no idea. And then I am moving to, I'm becoming so broken that I am committed to figure it out. And I got to the stage that I know that I don't know. And this is the mystical stage of hero journey, 12 steps, any course on miracles, the level of surrender. Surrender not of weakness, but surrender of the curiosity. Yeah. Right? There must be something else I am missing. And then from that place, like in Hero Journey or the mystical Buddhist journey, I am leaving the marketplace. I hear the message that there is something more. I am leaving the marketplace and go to meet the wild animal, wild ox. Or in Christianity, it would be dark night of the soul. And I am riding this wild ox and then becoming one with the wild ox and I get new understanding and coming back to uh, marketplace. So to rewrite the neuro to rewrite my scripted, which is which function which the action is the same as neuroplasticity, we have to bring this new script coming back from the discovery and comparison how this old script relates to our current circumstances. This is where, you know, improv help us to break habit of being yourself, break habit of associating with, we believe it is us, which we believe was running our life. And then comes that surrender, this yes, unconditional yes, which suddenly opens me up to my amazing resources. 
That's right. That's why we're saying unconditional yes and resourceful and. And then again, using improv principle, we we are determined to perform in our highest intelligence. I love that. I love that point you just made there about how it's that unconditional yes, but really the resourcefulness is out of the and. That the mistake someone could make upon hearing this would be to go that, oh, that's just accepting the problem. And it's that, well, we'll allow a no here. Uh, It's instead that continuation of yes, and here's what I can do about it. Yes, and here's what we can now begin to let become even more flexible. Yes, and here's the result that I'm now moving towards because of this. This is beautiful what you said, because this very thing guards us from mental psycho bubble of yes. Mm-hmm. You know, which is most often is actually no in, in hiding. I I hate something and I don't feel like working on changing this, so I bring some you know uh, illusionary story that I'm capable to accept and saying yes. Well, even the even the connection you just made about that's part of the story, even inside of the twelve step, that you know we're part of our community would go. Oh, that's a negative suggestion for the person to say I'm an alcoholic. Yet when that yes and is applied to that, I'm an alcoholic, and here's how I'm now living my life. Here's what I'm doing to take better care of myself. Now there's a continuation to that story, and it's no longer the the perception of the constant victim of that circumstance. Yes, the yes and is the full sentence. And it's a yin and yang. They're dancing together. They cannot exist without each other. And only on that relationship, everything else is being built. So now we are ready to actually rewrite our script. And, you know, there are two ways of rewriting our script. One is to get uh, suggestions, like in hypnotherapy sessions, and we may be good or bad in giving suggestion, which will be more or less appropriate for a given patient. And uh, uh, for me, that, that approach, for me, it carries risk. I don't feel very comfortable. That's why I'm so excited by improv, because in improv, the patient, improv, the characters are trying out different scripts, different behavior. And what is the most important that they are trying out in the safe environment of the game. Mm-hmm. That there are no consequences. It's just game. That you know, at the end of the scene, we say, "Whoops, we make this stuff anyway." Doesn't exist. You no, know, in in improv, me, seventy-two year white male, I can be completely vested in being Asian teenage girl. <laughs> Or I can be completely vested in being can of soup for the purpose. And I do this with full en- involvement, full entertainment, full presence without any legal accountability. <laughs> <laughs> so I, similar to that, it's, it's the understanding that even for dramatic actors, that the power of improvisation was that you were then learning how to access those emotions without the burden of having to memorize lines. That, you know, actors in an improvisational scene in in an acting class, it wasn't always, you know, the comedy thing that we would expect from things on television like Whose Line Is It Anyway? That instead, here were some extremely emotional moments where 
I remember liberal arts college having to go through acting classes. You know, suddenly the door slams and she walks in and he she suddenly says something to the other man in the scene, which is deeply provocative. And now they have to act that out when there was not the burden of, again, having to stop and memorize it. And this is how you see actors who can call upon real emotion that quickly, which you know, back to the whole conversation you just brought up about uh, in terms of the mindset of mistakes or accidents, there's no failure, there's feedback. Here's the continuation of here's how we set this all forward. You mentioned in an email before we connected today about wanting to play a game while we were here recording. What did you have in mind? Oh, so uh, let's start with a very simple game when we continue our conversation and we have to use yes and yes and we have mm -hmm. we just continue conversation and using one two sentences but every sentence has to start with yes and and has to expand on what you me as a partner use so for example you know it's it's so nice to to talk with you yes and i'm looking forward to moving down to florida and having you as a nearby neighbor apparently Yes, and I can already see our getting together in the picnic table. Yes, and I'm looking forward to the idea that in Florida, all the picnic tables are decorated to look like Mickey Mouse. And yes, I can even smell, you know, the Mickey Mouse hopping on the table. You see, and this is, <laughs> we are creating future, right? Yes. Already, future pacing. But let's do something else. You, uh, one of us, will be speaking a story, something uh, re real or regular. I mm -hmm. woke up and I did that. And I will be interrupting you, questioning, are you sure did it happen? Are you sure? And, <laughs> and your job will be to adjust, to have second thoughts on that. So why don't you start with something which really happened? It's nothing exciting. Okay. This morning, I watched the people in our uh, former home ripping up the floors as they're putting in. Uh, are, you, are you sure it was floor? Well, you know, it might have actually been carpet that they were putting down. But then again, they were also putting grass in the backyard, too. Oh, grass. I, I, I never heard about this. Well, now that you mention it, I'm thinking that really we might be putting a whole swimming pool in the backyard just so people can swim around rather than having to keep up with the grass. No, no, no. I, I don't believe that's possible. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, actually, it's a whole series of monkey bars that we're putting above the backyard. That way, we don't have to bother with the surface beneath. You see, so this is <laughs> this is again separation, exploring what is actually truer for yourself. Because mm -hmm. patient comes, and they come not with a disease; they come with a personal story about the disease, right? Mm -hmm. And until there is this still firm connection about the disease and the story about disease, I can do nothing because the connection is like glue in. So like patient comes and starts interview and saying, well, that, well, this, well, this. And uh, I would start with, obviously not the first visit, but I would start with the lighter play saying, each time I say new choice, you have, you have to rephrase last word you said. So why don't you start, for example? Say something. Okay. Um, I need to get a scratch repaired on my car. New, new choice. I need to add some more scratches to my car. A new choice of your tone, you're saying. I'm really excited about these scratches on my car. 
new choice of moving your head in different directions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is great for audio. I'm really excited about some scratches on my car. Wow, you see, you, you, you really did it on radio. Wow. <laughs> that is fantastic. But you see, this is the same thing of waking up people from the hypnotic trance of performing scripted drama. Well, I think that that hits on something massive there where we become the identity of the ailment as opposed to the person looking to resolve or move past the ailment. Correct. And now with this knowledge, we are ready for next step in writing the script, which is the step I know that I know. You know, in this conversation, we already discovered so many things that honestly, in this conversation, which I believe is healing conversation, that we both will be changed by this conversation, that on this stage, we can actually admit, I know that I know. I know I, I play different characters. I played new scripts. I like this script. I will pick up this script and I use for my current situation. So this is my new script. But then the final stage is to make this script put into subconsciousness so I don't need to figure out what to do each time to put this into autopilot. So then I can say that I don't know that I know. So there is no effort to figure out what I know because my subconsciousness will be projecting automatically what is needed script for this uh, situation. Nice, nice. This has been fantastic to have you on, and especially to explore these ideas, and even better, how some of this serves as a role inside of the work that we're doing, but also in terms of a different mindset of how to continue that process and even how to, as you brought up the example of parts therapy, how to then modify things we already know, given these themes of improvisational healing. How can people best get in contact with you? How can they find you? The best way to reach me is through my website, which is www.selfhealingcare.com. Selfhealingcare.com. This will be the best way to, to get in touch with me. Outstanding. And we'll link to that in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com. Before we wrap up, any final thoughts for the listeners out there? You know, we are all experiencing collective trauma, not only what is happening to us, but not knowing what will be happening next. And this is the calling of exploring new ways of playing safe, breaking from the scripted scripted behavior, which is now brutally imposed to us by media, by healthcare, by politics, and nobody is to save us except of us. So this is calling for you to get excited about what we're talking about. Explore it because it will open your universe and you'll be much safer navigating these uncertain times. Thank you. Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for leaving your reviews online, and sharing these conversations as part of your ongoing hypnotic journey as well. You can check out the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com for all the details of this episode, some of the books 
that Dr. Rocky recommended there along the way too. And plus check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. That's the all access pass to my hypnosis business training library. There's no need to reinvent the wheel. There's no need to have to invent from scratch, model what works, make it your own, get out there and make it rain. Check that out, hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. Hold up. 